It has been a miserable week. Is there any disagreement on that? Worse than I think I've been beaten in a long time. It was a bad day to have a bad day. Despite the hurt and disappointment, we look for some sunshine amidst the gloom. We go out of our way to find the week's most positive stories. Let's get him in 2022. We're going to be around a lot longer. But don't worry, we haven't forgotten our mission to dissect the most impactful news and issues you need to know about on both sides of State Line. It's an action-packed Week in Review, and it starts now. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlies Gorley, Haas and Wilkerson Insurance, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. I'm Nick Haynes. We survived the week, and that's saying something. Tracking the week's biggest moments and headlines and newsmakers are Steve Kraske, also known as Mr. Up-to-Date on KCUR-FM, from KCMO Talk Radio. Pete Mundo is with us. From the investigation unit at 41 Action News, Kat Reed, and the editor of the Kansas City Call newspaper, Eric Wesson. Now, let's not try and sugarcoat things. This was a week of great pain and disappointment in Kansas City. This is how one Kansas Cityan reacted to the week's news. How did you feel? It wasn't just a lopsided loss in the Super Bowl causing misery. It didn't help that all week we were battling the worst weather of the season. And can you believe this? It's not expected to get above freezing again in Kansas City until Saturday of next week. While things may appear gloomy, we're going to start the show this week by forcing our panelists to pick out something positive from the events of the past week. Was there an inspiring upside from the Super Bowl or an uplifting story from the icebox-like conditions we experienced this week. And I'm not talking about the big paycheck bonuses that uh, tow truck drivers in Kansas City have got this week. Steve, do something to lower our blood pressure for us this week and uplift us. Well, it has been a rough week, Nick, no, no doubt about it. But I would just point to this little nugget regarding next year's Kansas City Chiefs season. The Las Vegas oddsmakers have already installed the Chiefs as the favorites to win next year's Super Bowl. They'll be inspired by what happened this year. They'll be motiv motivated to come back, look out next year. Okay, Kat, we can only take so much bad news. Give us something uplifting as we start our show this week. Okay, well, Nick, we still have a royal baby on the way, and I'm referring to Patrick Mahomes' baby, of course. Uh, so we have that. And the other thing that I wanted to point out, it's Black History Month, and 41 Action News has been doing a lot of really interesting, cool coverage of, you know, Black changemakers in our community as well as history. So that has been a highlight for me. Was there a positive side to the Super Bowl, a positive side to this miserable weather this week, Eric? Yes. We can look forward to next year, Pat Mah Patrick Mahomes having a new offensive line. Something that I said on this show several years ago that he needed before they got him killed. So we can look forward to the fact that he's going to have new offensive linemen to protect them so he doesn't have to run 500 yards scrambling around in the backfield trying to keep from getting slaughtered. And Mr. Sunshine himself, Pete Mundo. 
<laughs> Nick, how about this? I know we can't write any good news or talk any good news about COVID-19, but in the Kansas City Metro, we are down almost 70% in cases, almost 80% in cases in terms of the seven-day rolling average from its peak in early November. I think that is outstanding news that we should be writing headline after headline about, but we just can't do it. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about that during this program, but as you mentioned, though, I mean, there's a lot of negative, more weighty, impactful stories going on as well. A five-year-old, by the way, named Ariel was dominating local newscasts, also getting lots of national coverage this week. She's the young girl who is fighting for her life after being seriously hurt in a crash involving Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reed, or former assistant coach now. The Kansas City Police Department is still investigating the cause of the collision and Reed's involvement. A police report claims Reed admitted to having two or three drinks before driving, but no charges have yet been filed against him. Britt Reed is the son of head coach Andy Reid. We can review viewer Carl in Grandview wrote to us this week. He wants to know was treat, Reid treated the same way anyone else would be in the same circumstances? Was he, Kent? So we're still waiting to get a lot of the details of the investigation. There was a briefing the other day. Police weren't really willing to answer anything about the Britt Reid case, saying it's under investigation. But here's what we do know. He complained of stomach pain at the scene and was taken to the hospital and went into surgery. So that impacts the process. We do know that a blood sample was taken, but the toxicology reports on that can take, you know, up to a month. So we will be waiting to see the results um, just because he said he had taken or had had a couple of drinks doesn't necessarily mean he was over the legal limit. We are waiting on tests to to show where exactly his blood alcohol uh, content level was. Also, I just wanted to point out that this morning, the family of the little girl uh, did post an update. And sadly, as of Thursday morning, she is still in a coma from this crash. A very, very sad situation and really hoping that this little girl can pull through. The police say this might take weeks to investigate Eric Wesson. Why then would the chiefs part ways with uh, Britt Reed before that investigation is complete? Okay, we haven't. Okay, is your mic on? There we go. Uh, one, it would take them some time, like they said, to do investigation, but. Uh, the excuse that they used or the reason that they used was his contract was up anyway, so they could go ahead and part ways with him. But it's going to be a black eye on the organization if anything comes up of it as him being on their, in their facility uh, when he was drinking and he admitted to taking some prescription drugs as well. But your question was, is he treated differently? Yes. I think under normal circumstances, the everyday person would probably be posting bond in Jackson County by now. Steve. Well, I think there's some truth to that, but I also would point out, I wouldn't jump to a lot of conclusions about this case yet. This is a tragedy all the way around, including Brett Reed, who is clearly struggling from addiction, Nick. In 2007, he was sentenced to 23 months in the slammer for similar kinds of behavior. He clearly is struggling with addiction here. Your heart goes out to anybody there, obviously including the family, the victims here, the little girl who's struggling. But I just would point out that Britt Reed is in, is in the hospital. He's not going anywhere here. He's lost his job. The media attention here is overwhelming. I think nothing uh, out of the ordinary is going to happen here with so much attention being paid to it. I would just keep everyone in our thoughts and prayers here because, again, this is a tragedy with a, a whole lot of ramifications to it. Pete. 
Yeah, I, I echo uh, Steve's comments entirely. And I know that uh, doing what we do, uh, we want to jump into different tangents and, and angles on what this might mean, what might happen here. Uh, number one, it's five-year-old Ariel. She is the first thing on all of our minds, obviously. And then you get into the ramifications, possibly for the organization, uh, possibly for uh, Britt Reed and everybody else involved. But uh, he's not with the team. As of right now, it looks like the right play. But there's more that we don't know than we do know right now. And that's important to point out. Well, we didn't know at the beginning of the week that the head of the Mothers Against Drunk Driving organization wanted to have a meeting, uh, Kat Reed, with uh, Clark Hunt, the head of the Chiefs. Did that meeting take place? And uh, what was that they were actually looking for? Because they do have a program in place right now with Chiefs players to try and show them about the challenges of uh, drinking and driving, right? Yeah, well, to my knowledge, I, I do not know if that meeting has occurred. I don't believe so at this point. But they really said that they want to double down on their efforts with the Chiefs and not just focus on the players, but also focus on staff members and the entire organization. They say that there really needs to be leadership on this issue from the top of the Chiefs organization. So that was kind of the goal, why they want to meet with them. President Donald Trump's second impeachment trial is underway, and against the odds, a Republican group is still trying to convince some GOP senators to convict. The Republican Accountability Project is spending half a million dollars on television ads targeting senators they believe could flip. On that list is Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. We will stop the steal. You don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Senator Moran. Donald Trump incited an attack on our capital. It's up to you to convict and disqualify him. Okay, Steve Kraske, did those ads have any impact whatsoever on Senator Moran this week? Uh, not that anybody knows yet. I'm not sure, sure Senator Moran has said a whole lot about this, Nick. I think it would be uh, stunning if he votes uh, with the Democrats on this impeachment thing. He's up for re-election next year. Donald Trump carried the state of Kansas easily uh, in November. So I think uh, Jerry Moran is going to wind up going along with the flow on this thing. Anything else would be a, a pretty big surprise. Why were there no ads run against Roy Blunt? Why weren't there, Pete Mundo, any ads against Josh Hawley or Roy Blunt? Was it because they, you know, what was it about uh, Jerry Moran that they thought uh, he could be changed, have his mind changed on this? He may be viewed, Nick, of the four senators in our two states as the uh, most moderate of the bunch, possibly, and Steve Nutter is up for re-election. But uh, to follow up on Steve's point, I mean, Jerry Moran, from a political standpoint going into 2022, is far more likely to, if he votes to convict Donald Trump, lose a primary in Kansas than he is to lose a general election in Kansas. He's got to get through a primary first if he were to go down that road. He doesn't want a primary. You just saw Roger Marshall, despite $25 million from Barbara Bollier, win by double digits. Jerry Moran uh, is in a pretty safe spot right now if he hangs with the party, so to speak. So I, I think it's money down the drain. Okay, Steve. Nick, every Kansas Republican uh, in the congressional delegation uh, objected to the certifying uh, of the election in November. Jerry Moran did not. He was the only outlier there. That may be one more reason why he was targeted here, as if he might be more persuadable. I can't believe that he is. By the way, Roy Blunt is now actually being challenged for election next year. A former state senator from Kansas City announces this week he is seeking the Democratic nomination in next year's U.S. Senate race in Missouri. When he raised his fist and betrayed our democracy, 
Josh Hawley showed us who he really is. I'm Scott Sifton, and I believe in a Missouri where we raise our hands to support voting rights, not violent insurrection. It's interesting that Scott Sifton is focused on Josh Hawley in this ad, Cat Reed, when he's running against Blunt. Is he confused about which race he's running in? I don't think he's confused about that, Nick. He also mentioned Senator Roy Blunt in the ad, but this is really an effort to put Holly on the ballot, especially as you've seen some of his popularity decrease in certain circles because of his role on January 6th. So that is the effort here to link Senator Blunt with Senator Josh Hawley. In fact, later on in the ad, he even refers to Blunt as one of Hawley's henchmen, I believe, while sh showing the two gentlemen together. So that's what we're seeing here is an effort to play off um, some of the criticism around Josh Hawley currently. Eric, did Roy Blunt wake up this week in a cold sweat now that he knows that a Democrat by the name of Scott Sifton is running against him? Scott who? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I think he's pretty rooted in uh, what he's uh, what he's got to do. Uh, people will still rally around him. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch what he does during the impeachment because he kind of seems like he's on the fence, but he also seems like he's supporting uh, former President Trump. Steve. You know, Nick, uh, Roy Blunt is not the least worried, a uh, bit worried about Scott Sifton, a uh, very uh, little-known Democrat who's a former state senator. Scott Sifton has a long road ahead of him. I would suggest, though, that maybe what has Roy Blunt's attention right now is a potential challenge from former Governor Eric Greitens, who is flirting around with the idea out there that he might get back into politics. This kind of high-profile U.S. Senate race in 2022 next year might be exactly the ticket that Eric Greitens is looking for. Uh, I don't think Eric Greitens could beat Roy Blunt, but still, he, uh, he would have Roy Blunt's attention. Yeah, I, I, give him something to think about. I read an interesting thought piece over the weekend that claims the news media is far more likely to report stories about surging and skyrocketing statistics than they are when the numbers are moving in the opposite direction. It got me thinking, how often do we in the media say the numbers are plummeting? Usually, it's when we're referring to the weather and talking about plummeting temperatures. The story was about news coverage of COVID statistics. Are we guilty of reporting only the numbers that go up and forget about the numbers that go down? With that in mind, I should point out that this week, Kansas City reported the lowest number of daily COVID cases since mid-October. October. And while it may be an exaggeration to say the numbers are plummeting, the Kansas City metro area also reported the sharpest decline in coronavirus hospitalizations. They fell by nearly 19% over the past week, the biggest drop since last fall, according to the Mid-America Regional Council. In fact, only one county in the metro saw an increase, and that was Clay County. So what are public officials doing with this information? Is there any effort now underway to relax business restrictions or the numbers of people who can gather inside or outside uh, during this pandemic? Pandemic, can't read. So we did see some changes in January already um, in the Kansas City metro area, but there is a sense that now may not be a time to take your foot off the pedal, the gas pedal, because numbers are looking good. What we're doing is working. We're seeing more people get vaccinated, but people still need to socially distance, wear masks. So, you know, we will probably at some point see things uh, loosen a little bit, but this is exactly where we want to be statistically seeing the numbers go down. But we are seeing school districts in our area certainly now uh, ease up on those restrictions. Coming back full-time in the Blue Valley School District, they uh, vote this week on that. The Olathe School District also going to bring every single student back to the classrooms. But is it only schools, uh, Pete Mundo, that are relaxing the rules? 
Uh, as of right now, that looks to be the case. I haven't heard anything from some of our uh, local municipalities on that, but it makes sense. I mean, when the CDC director comes out in the last couple of weeks and says, hey, we can do this. Kids got to get back in the classroom. This is too damaging. Uh, get them in there and we can do it safely before the teachers are vaccinated. Uh, I think that's hitting home for a lot of school districts and a lot of frustrated parents as well whose eyes are being opened up to this. And I will point out uh, with these numbers coming down, it's a great thing, but but in Kansas City, we did see, and there are studies on this that I have put on my social media, we have seen an increase in things like restaurants and bar traffic throughout the month of January. So I would push back a little bit on this notion overwhelmingly that the only reason numbers are going down is because we're all finally masking up in social distancing. Okay. Disney on ice this weekend, by the way, Steve Kraske, uh, and uh, they were told by the public health department they had to shut down every single one of their shows going on at T-Mobile yeah. Center because of lots of violations, repeated violations uh, of COVID rules. Does that have a chilling effect on uh, organizations, particularly arts organizations, to come back during this period of the pandemic who, who might have had ideas about uh, returning to performances? Well, I think, Nick, it's one more shot across the bow that you can't go back to normal anywhere too quickly here. I couldn't agree with my uh, colleagues here any more strongly. We haven't seen any potential bump from the Super Bowl, Nick. A lot of public health experts expect that that's coming. Likewise, we have these variant strains of the coronavirus that are popping up, coming from overseas that are raising new concerns that are more easily spread, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, this is not the time to ease up off the gas at all. It's a time to hunker down and get through this very difficult month of February. Eric. And one of the things, and I agree with all of them as well, I think now we're getting over the Christmas, New Year's hump, the numbers are coming down. But once, one of the interesting things that I saw this week was uh, agencies saying that they had extra vaccines uh, because, you know, the VA Medical Center, they sent out a robocall to all veterans. They had extra vaccines. Some of the other institutions had uh, extra vaccines. So people coming in, getting the vaccines, I think that's increasing and we'll see the effects of that in some weeks and months to come as well. Kat. Yeah, circling back quickly to Disney on Ice, uh, you know, I think it was a good sign that that event was even planned to be held, that the health department agreed um, that it could be held if they followed these certain rules. But I think that that does show they are not messing around. So if you aren't following the rules, they will cancel your event. So if you are creating a plan and agreeing to something, you have to make sure you're following every, every step. Um, otherwise, you could face a cancellation. I thought it was, I thought they canceled it because the performers were testing positive. I didn't know it was for violation of rules. I thought several of the performers tested positive and that's what react, caused the reaction to them canceling it. But they didn't tell the public health department. <laughs> which was a breach of the rules. All righty. I, I know many okay. of you, I know many of you are still waiting for your turn to get the vaccine. So who's in front of you? If you live in Kansas, in addition to seniors, prison inmates are now getting their shots. It's a decision that has been condemned by Republican lawmakers in Topeka. They argue it's wrong for convicted criminals, including murderers and sex offenders, to be in the front of the line ahead of tens of thousands of Kansans with medical conditions that put them at severe risk if they contract the virus. What's Governor Kelly's response then? Steve? 
Well, I think Governor Kelly is saying, hey, you know, we have had a major outbreak in the prisons, big numbers there. And in addition, it's not just the prisoners, Nick, it's state employees, state officials, delivery people who come in and out of those prisons on a regular basis. And I think also it's a little bit of a cautionary move. If you don't take care of the prisoners, you open the state of Kansas up to all kinds of, of potential litigation for uh, substandard conditions, not taking care of of them as you would members of the public. And you know, believe it or not, they're just people too here, but and they're in a very difficult place with so many people packed on top of each other. Kat. Yeah, a prison is a congregate living situation where the virus gets into these facilities and it just ravages them. Uh, the numbers as of earlier this month, uh, the prison system had seen more than 1,100 cases among staff and nearly 6,000 among inmates. So it gets in there and it goes quickly. So, um, you know, the Governor Kelly has talked about community spread. And as Steve mentioned, if you have people coming in and, and going out, then that can impact the community spread. But a lot of this is for, in terms of who is getting vaccinated. It depends on where you live or what state you're in, Pete Mundo. In Missouri, they're not targeting uh, prisoners, for instance, at this point in time. And if you have a chronic condition in Missouri, you, you can actually get the vaccine now. You can't in Kansas. Yeah, and, and just the uh, political optics, I know Governor Kelly's probably not thinking about that at this point in time, but the optics of, of based on how these tiers are breaking down, uh, a 63-year-old, let's say, who's a grandparent and hasn't seen their grandkid in 10 months, having to wait for a prisoner to get the vaccine before them, I, I just don't think that sits well with a lot of people. My colleagues are all correct in everything they've said about spread um, happening in prisons because of the congregated setting, but I, a lot of people, I believe from the optics perspective, are not wild about the idea of being 63 and not being able to get a vaccine in favor of prisoners who have broken the law getting the vaccine. And I think that's something that's got to be brought up. Mayor Quentin Lucas delivered his second State of the City address this week, and it was COVID that dominated his speech. COVID-19 has also, in many ways, devastated the Kansas City budget. How about a $70 million budget shortfall that now needs to be made up? But the mayor says there'll be no reduction in the number of police officers. No city workers will be laid off. No city service will be eliminated. So, Eric Wesson, how is he expecting to get there? Someone has to sacrifice, right? Yeah, I think they're going to make some adjustments with some of the bonds. And it's going to be, you know, we're going to pay you now. We'll just pay you later. Uh, so they'll make the adjustments on the bonds. Uh, power and light district will be one. But one of the things that's interesting that wasn't discussed is that when they took over, they had a $150 million uh, kind of surplus, and they've blown through about $50 million of that already. So instead of having a $70 million shortfall, in actuality, you probably had $120 million since you had to take 50 out of the reserve fund to use. Uh, one of the interesting things that I saw this morning on one of the local news stations was that they had said that uh, some of the subsidies were gonna be cut from agencies and they were recommended the agencies not use consultants or marketing measures. So if you use marketing measures for cultural, that's to bring people into the city in order to use these. So why would you cut marketing on those things? Well, let's look at that. Here's some of the organizations, by the way, that will take a hit as a result of the city's new budget. Singled out by the mayor for cuts of the Kansas City Zoo, Starlight Theater, the city film office, and Arts KC. But Kat Reed, 
They've talked about cuts like that before, and then they lobby and come to City Hall and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to be, uh, you know, dying if you do this, and then they remove those cuts. So why would this be any different? Well, I do think we all need to keep in mind this is a proposed budget. We always see the budget change. But this year, there's a lot less wiggle room to change things because the money's just not there. The city has taken such a hit. Uh, so it will be interesting to see also if the Biden administration does end up doing something more for cities, um, if anything can come from the federal government to kind of bail out cities on the loss of sales tax and other things. We just don't really know yet. A lot less wiggle room, much tighter margins this year. Steve. You know, I'm going to be really eager to see what my reporting colleagues dig up in this budget in the days to come. Maybe there are some issues in here that quite haven't come to the fore yet. But having said that, Nick, Quentin Lucas just threw a Hail Mary pass and completed it in the end zone to win the game. Because going into this moment, there was all kinds of doom and gloom talk about what this $70 million cut was going to mean for services coming out of City Hall, including potential cuts to the police and fire departments. A lot of angst and concern about that. It appears as of this moment that he's run this uh, run down the field and gotten past all the tacklers uh, to present a budget that's not going to cause too much hardship in too many quarters. Right now, it looks pretty good. Do, we'll you, do you agree with that, Pete? Uh, no, I, I think so. And here's what's interesting, too, Nick. I talked to the mayor Thursday morning, and he's putting together this budget as if no state um, bailout money is coming uh, from the feds. So if he gets that, which, you know, as of right now, as of our conversation, I believe that the Biden administration and the Senate is going to get that thing through on reconciliation. Yeah, uh, there still may be that package from Santa Claus coming to bail him out. All righty. We can review watcher, by the way, Larry in Kansas City writes to us this week to ask, can the city walk and chew gum at the same time? How come Kansas City can't plow the streets and pick up the trash in the same week? Eric, what's the answer to that question? Did you see they delayed all of the trash and no recycling this week? Listen, my trash was supposed to be picked up on Monday. It's Thursday re recording this. My trash is still there. Our side streets. And here's the funny part about it. The head of that department lives right around the corner from me. I, we still have <laughs> snow on our street. Our trash is still there. They canceled recycling for this. For this. And I'm like, we still got trash out. So I kind of have to agree with him. I don't think they can walk and chew gum at the same time. All right, Kat. Yeah, so this was a change. Um, more of the solid waste folks were pulled at, into snow coverage uh, as a result of some changes that Brian Platt made after seeing how the city handled the New Year's Day storm. So I, I do think this was their first time pulling even more people into it. We might see that change as things go on. Uh, in other cities, I have seen that storms have impacted uh, trash pickup. So we're not alone, but I think that there needs to be some more work to kind of iron out this plan and how we make Make sure people are being used in the most efficient way. I should say another area mayor also in the headlines this week, that's Carl Gerlach, who has led Overland Park for the past 16 years. He announces he is not seeking re-election this year. Why, Steve? Well, I think, you know, he's been doing it for 16 years, Nick. That's a long time. Let's just put that out there. He was facing a challenge from a, another uh, council member, uh, Clayton Jennison, who was uh, appears poised to offer a stiff challenge. 
I also think he's been under increasing fire uh, in recent years. There was that story about the payout from the city of Overland Park to the police officer who shot the young man uh, in the driveway there that raised so much concern in Overland Park. Such a tragic story. A lot of controversy about that. It was looking like Carl Gerlach would have faced a tougher reelection, perhaps, than he would have in the past. But having said that, Nick, he's been there. He's done that. I think he's ready to move on. Cat. Yeah, and just to jump in really quickly, um, I, I know Steve was referring to the councilman, but Clayton Jennison was the, the name of the officer, actually, who ended up being fired oh, I'm from. I'm sorry, Kat. Thank you. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I just, I, I knew you were thinking of the councilman. I'm looking down at my notes. I'm scrambling for names here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, really quickly, though, I also did want to point out, I think that, you know, the, the mayor says he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in his time, but there is still a lot of scrutiny over that severance agreement with the officer who shot the teenager, uh, as well as an FBI investigation. So there's a lot hanging over the mayor's head. Two council members have all um, have already announced their intentions to run. So it'll be interesting to see if anyone else jumps in the race. Um, Eric, I'm just curious. You know, it's interesting looking at this on the Kansas side where you have Mayor, uh, Carl Gerlach there for 16 years. You have Peggy Dunn in Leewood has been the mayor for 22 years. That may seem strange for folks on the Missouri side where there are term limits in Kansas City where you can only serve two terms. If they could serve that long on the Missouri side, would we still have Sly James as mayor at this point? Probably. Probably would have a lot of other people still hanging in as mayor, too. Uh, term limits has its good points and has its bad points. And municipalities that those two have are a lot smaller than Kansas City. So uh, you need fresh ideas because the metro the area is growing so much. Pete. Yeah, I think that to, to Eric's point, there's good, there's bad on those issues. Um, it's hard to argue with these successes that uh, Mayor Gerlach has had in terms of just economic growth, uh, quality of schools, and you know being ranked as a great place to live every year. But do I think that that change is necessarily based on term limits? No, it's, it's much more uh, complicated than that. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every local story grabbing the headlines. What was the big story we missed? Remembering former Chiefs coach Marty Schottenheimer, he dies this week at the age of 77. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease six years ago. What's up with that? Tiffany's reversing course. They're staying on the plaza after all. Last week, Kansas making national news over a bill to criminalize medical treatment for transgender youth. This week, the measure has been pronounced dead, at least for now. It's the Chinese New Year. Kansas Cityans now trying to find new ways to celebrate the holiday. And what about celebrating Valentine's Day during a pandemic? Area businesses trying to get creative. A new survey finds only 24% of us will celebrate with an evening out this weekend. Alrighty, Kat Reed, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I'm going to go with something completely different, which is the bitter cold impacting people who are without homes in our city. Also, the warming center um, that's underway at the convention center. We're keeping an eye on how that's going. My colleague Sarah Plake has done some fantastic work on that, so I encourage everyone to, to check out uh, what she's been covering there. But, but it's interesting on the, on the warming center, the turning over the convention center, it's just been one negative headline after another, isn't it, rather than patting the mayor on the back for making this happen? We have seen concerns about the rollout of the warming center, people talking about um, organizational issues, people referencing security issues. So I think that that is all still being figured out. There have been some bumps in the road with the rollout of that.
Pete Mundo. Well, Nick, Kansas and Missouri uh, this legislative cycle are two of 22 states who have introduced bills to fund students and not systems. And that is something that is continuing to spread across the country. It's happening in our backyard. And um, if there's anything positive that may come out of COVID, it could be school choice for millions of kids in this country and funding them and their parents directly versus the systems that are in place. They're just upset because they, the many schools have been closed during this pandemic and uh, things have gone online and they need more choice to be able to go to a school that's open? Yeah, and you know what? Um, folks who, who can afford it have had school choice. They can do the pods. They can do private school. They can do Catholic school. Uh, the ones that can't afford it, they have no choice, and, and we are seeing that gap grow over the past 10 months. This would be a win for, for students of all backgrounds. Eric. I'm going to say taking uh, Charlie Parker's saxophone down to Walt Disney World, uh, loaning it to them, no indication that we're getting any financial recourse for that. Uh, the museum's got, what, maybe two, three exhibits. Why would you take one, donate it to some place, then turn around and say, don't pay for any marketing? So I think that that was, they need to explain that move a lot more than they did. Steve. I'm going to go with the Marty Schottenheimer story, Nick. I thought he really pulled the Kansas City Chiefs out of the abyss after years and years of losing seasons following their first Super Bowl win back in uh, the early 1970s. Uh, a fine man, a, a really great coach, finished eighth all time on the NFL coaches winning list, Nick. An outstanding achievement and a big loss for the team and for our community. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Checking in with us on the big screen, 41 Action News investigative reporter Kat Reed on call from the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson. Keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCURFM, Steve Kraske. And rocking a four-hour live shift from 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Keep calm and carry on.